You're listening to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. These podcasts aim to communicate topics of interest from the world of credit unions. This is Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. This week I'm talking about my visit to the recent CFCFE conference, which was the first of the year for them, and it took place in Manchester. And they had a great turnout of credit unions from far and wide. So what was the main topic for this conference? Well, it seemed to me that the topic was mostly about digital and direct channels and open banking and new ways of data sharing. In fact, the whole sort of technology bag that credit unions are very much interested in. So not only was there a good turnout of attendees, there were some excellent speakers on at this year's event in Manchester. First up was Drew Povey, and he's quite a considerable leadership authority on innovation and sustainable change. He's had over 20 years experience at working in elite levels of sport and education. During the last decade, he's he's worked with a lot of people involving charitable organisation, SMEs, multinational businesses, even the NHS and the police. And he's got himself quite a reputation for leading the world of change. And it was an unusual start to a conference, which is more or less to do with technology. Here we are, someone that was going to speak about change. And I put it to Drew. These are hardworking credit union people. When they get back, the main thing they're going to have to worry about is the business itself, the intray, and the whole process facing them. How can he help them when it comes to running a business and still being leaders? It's a big part of the job the operation side of things and when I ask leaders and leadership teams or anybody that works in an organization how much time you're spending managing things and how much time you're spending leading they'll normally say 80% plus on the management and a much smaller percentage on the leadership side and I would say well what is it that's going to shift the needle most just kind of doing the same mundane stuff every day or will it be to actually spend some time thinking spend some time doing the leadership aspect and as we talked about today, Chris, and it was a wonderful audience, great setup, everybody engaging. What is leadership? And for me, leadership is about influence. And, and it's not about a position that somebody holds, it's about the influence people have in a business. And I'd encourage everybody to engage a little more with leadership in their day to day work. And I know it's difficult, but it's a discipline. And it's something that we have to put in if we're going to do something great in our businesses. And the credit unions are doing great work already, but there's, of course there's more that people can do. Do you think there's a difference between good manager, good leader, or do you think it's the same thing? I do think there's a difference between leadership and management, and I do, and I think it's important to create that distinction. I think management is crucial because it's about the systems and the processes and making sure things get done. And of course, if we don't have that, we've got a problem. But leadership is about what we do with people, how we sell messages, what kind of vision are we creating, where are we going in the future? But you've got to have both. So a lot of people listen to me and go, well, you love leadership, Drew. And I do, Chris, I'm a leadership geek. Um, but you don't like management and I go, no, hold on a minute, management's crucial but I think we're much better at management because it's more tangible, we've got to have both. If you have all management and no leadership, I think you can have a soulless organisation. But if you have all leadership and no management, well I reckon you've got a hippie commune there where everyone's very nice to each other and talks about this great future but nothing actually gets done. It's finding that balance. So do good leaders need good lieutenants? I think they do. I think all leaders need a team around them. Leadership, some people say leadership's a lonely job. I completely disagree with that. The only bit I would agree with, it's a lonely job if you want it to be. Get good people around you. There's enough people out there that will. And actually, Jules, my PA, was, was 
often known as the leader in the business, never mind the person that was actually uh, my PA because she had such an influence. And it wasn't over just making sure I got things done, but my goodness me, did she do that. She also shaped my thinking. She was also somebody I could run things by and she had a huge influence on me. Therefore, as I said today, she's a leader. Again, is it recognising what your strengths are as a leader? Well, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, a lot of the work I've done has been in an elite sport. And, you know, you don't have someone like Cristiano Ronaldo playing in goals. You don't do that. Or you don't have the mighty Jordan Pickford from Everton playing up front, even though I think he could literally do anything. The point is, it's about specificity. It's about strengths, as you said, Chris, and get people in the right seats on the bus, as Jim Collins talks about, and make sure people are in their strength zone because they'll nail that work and they'll love it as they nail that work and have the right people around you. The team is crucial. It's never, ever about one individual nor should it be. It's about the team that gets the result. So that was Drew Povey, and he concluded that courage is a team sport. And he encouraged us also to get good people around us. And next up was Rob McIntosh, and he's from an organisation called Dozens. And Dozens believes that customers should feel that they are part of a mission, and that they're on some sort of journey, and they, they can be as involved with the business as they want to be. Rob explained that community is not the same as identity, uh, so it's not enough to share geographical location with someone to mean that you're in a community. In his mind, community requires a sort of shared purpose or shared mission. A credit union's common bond is a starting point. So I asked Rob, we've got all Facebook sites, we've got websites, some of us have got Twitter accounts as credit unions. I asked Rob, surely if we've got our own websites and we've got Facebook pages, we may also have a, an account with Twitter as credit unions. What more can we do? It's a very good point, actually, because um, when you have a conversation, you want to, you want to, you want to control the space. Uh, you don't want the distractions. And the problem with going to somewhere like Facebook or Twitter or some other uh, place, people are gathering there but there's a lot of distractions. So I compare it to if you're setting up shop, would you rather have your own space in the right place or would you rather set up in a shopping mall? Now the shopping mall gives you lots of advantages. It gives you a roof and it has lots of tra passing traffic, but you've got lots of competition and you're stuck with, the, the, the first of all, the rent and the, the working hours of the shopping mall. You're not in control anymore. And the problem with Facebook is you don't have control over the data, you don't have control over the communication, you can't reach out to people. Um, and if you're particularly in the finance world and you're worried about data protection and so on, you want to, you want to know that it's safe and that you're, you are in control of it. So owning your space, I think, is very important. However, you can use those tools to attract people onto your platform, like you say. So you create a space on Facebook to join that conversation that people are interested in, but the job should be to invite them from there into your space and then share content from your space, from your community, back to your uh, Facebook page, your Twitter group, whatever, your Instagram, because it's, it's it, as you say, it's circular, it helps people, it makes it real. But you don't then set up shop in that space because then you're not in control. So I always advise people to try and own that space, whether it's their blog, whether it's their website, whether it's their community. Uh, I think in the long term it really matters. If you're going to, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to have a long-term relationship, you want it to be in a place where it's up to you and not where you're having to pay for every single interaction. I liked the way you also got talking about common bonds. That's real on message there Rob so well done with that and I like the way that you got the audience to go with you when you said 
beyond common bonds. And I think that, that then you got, if you hadn't got their attention by then, you certainly got it at that point. Um, I, can you just expand a little bit more about what you mean by communities that live beyond common bonds? Uh, I can't speak as an expert on, on the concept of com- uh, common bond from, from a, um, a credit union point of view, but it was uh, I was having a conversation about co- communities with Nick, uh, and he said, ah, you'd, you'd be interested in common bonds, so I have some research into it. Um, conceptually, a community isn't a community if the people who are participating don't actually see themselves as part of that community. So. Uh, from a credit union point of view, I suppose you could say there's a possibility that someone falls within the concept of a common bond, but has n- no awareness n- and no interest in being part of a credit union. So is that person really a target? They're not. So if you actually want to have a relationship, if you want to build on something that you have in common with these people, uh, you have to go beyond the concept of uh, the, the, the first step, which is the, the, the shared interest, and then say, right, how important is that to you? Because if it's really not important, I have to spend a lot of time to make it important to you. There's probably enough people for whom it is important that you should go to first, so especially if you're building a new community. Find people for whom this identity, whether it's the space, their employer, their um, uh, the association they work for, or their union, when that's really important to them, you can use that. They will be really committed to building something together. Um, and that, to me, is how you build a community. Um, so Common Bond is a great place to start and I think credit unions are in a great place to build community using Common Bond as a, a startup, they, a starting point. They have a way to reach people and say, I already know we have something in common, now let's have a conversation and see what else we share. So um, I suppose you could compare it to dating, you, know, you, 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 need, you have something in common, let's now explore, oh we both like ice skating, so let's chat about ice skating. You, you now have some, something to build a conversation and relationship on. Um, just because we both happen to be in this pub does not mean we're going to get on. Therefore, starting to look for topics to which you can now have conversation with your like-minded people, dare we, dare we gravitate towards campaigning? Uh, well, it'll depend very much on what your identity is and what that common bond is. So yes, if it fits within your common bond. If your common bond is something different, it's uh, because you're all fans of a particular pop group, campaigning might not work unless that, uh, that group is, is particularly involved in campaigning themselves. Um, but if, uh, I, if I imagine credit unions, a lot of their common bonds were based on local areas. So any local issue is something that you can build upon. And a good um, marketer, a good communicator will see how to link bigger themes, global themes, into local themes, local issues, and translate it into something which actually matters, that impacts the identity of that member. Absolutely, campaigning should be part of it. And what's really good about that is you reach beyond uh, a, a commercial relationship. You're now reaching into the true core, the true motivators of those individuals. You can find something that they that they really feel strongly about, and you give them something to work towards. Because again, one of the features I said of a community 
it's all well and good to talk about people who have something in common. You need to reach them, but you also need to give them something to do. Um, if you're not doing anything, it's, it's not, there's no community. Um, so give someone a task. Uh, give someone a, a, a vision of what needs to be achieved. If they feel they're working towards it and they're participating in it, they will feel motivated. Um, now, sometimes communities have to create those. They have to find a reason for people to participate. I don't imagine that's a problem for credit unions. There's a lot to work on. Uh, and so you can definitely find ways to, to campaign and, and be positive. Well, what about dozens then, your business? So what are you going to be angry about or campaign about or ask for change on? Uh, the Dozen's mission is to change banking into a fairer model. We believe that the banking model itself is unfair. It's built on uh, a, a complete uh, uh, mismatch between the platform rent charged by a bank and what a customer gets out of it. The bank gets all the profit and you get none for your deposits. Um, so they are incentivized. Their business model is to give you a, an overdraft or to sell you a loan. That's their only way to make money. So essentially, they're incentivized by their shareholders that they're driven by um, to drive p bad behavior, poor decision-making by their customers. They're not incentivized to look after them. So you can't change a bank that's built on that. It's been doing that for 100 years. You've got to start again. So dozens were started by Richard Chakravarti uh, to, to start from scratch and say our model is to align the incentives of the business of the commerce and the customers from the beginning and so that's what we're doing we're trying to take a person not as a spender and increase their spending which is what a lot of fintechs are about focusing on the technology of spending but innovate on the finance and move someone from a spender to a saver and hopefully eventually to an investor because that looks after their financial wellness in the long term so that's what we want to campaign about is the fairness in the system I see so are you not afraid of being seen as outrage or seen as an organization that's just got a grudge? I think the point is if, if people are outraged then they're listening. Um, I think if you actually speak to people in the trade most people know the banking model is broken but it's hard to change an existing one so we want to demonstrate that an alternative is possible and actually what's really interesting about this invitation I received today is actually maybe there's other there are other models out there that deserve another look um, and maybe there's a way of revitalizing this as well so I, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on credit unions and if there's some sort of alignment here. So that was Rob McIntosh from Dozens, and I thought it was good value was Rob. I, I enjoyed his presentation, and it's very, very provoking in terms of maybe we could exploit our common bonds to become something more than just something that binds us together as a community for borrowing and saving. Now, he's saying that we could create community spaces for interaction with the rest of our members um, without a massive investment in IT. And, he's, and that could be facilitated by maybe setting up a specialist discussion group or forum on our own credit union websites. And Rob was asked whether this could be a Facebook page instead. And his response to that query was, well, why depend on a third party for something that you could do yourselves? So then the next presenter that we had was Marlowe's Nichols. And she's head of programs at Finance Innovation Lab. And Marlowe's introduced the subject that I, uh, people were already starting to talk about in the room and that was the subject of open banking. Labworks, where she works, is developing new business models and campaigners calling for changing the rules of the game for mainstream professionals who want to change finance from the inside. I put it to Marlowe's that open banking, as far as I could understand it, was 
enabling people such as credit unions to access members' bank account details online with the permission of the member, thereby cutting out the need for paper and cutting out the need for statements, paper statements, the backwards and forwards that credit unions often have in terms of sending documents backwards and forwards to members. This would enable straight away credit unions to just immediately switch on the member's account and make an assessment of their ability to save and borrow. Marlowe's noted that while many consumers remain unaware of open banking, there are now 180 organisations with regulatory permission to offer some form of uh, open banking service. And they range from banks such as HSBC and Barclays uh, to organisations, fintech companies called WageStream. And Marlowe's offered a rough estimate of that only 10% of British credit unions are using open banking at present in some form. She cited the example of Police Credit Union, who were working with uh, a fintech called Credit Kudos, and Central Liverpool Credit Union, who's working with another fintech called Nestegg. Marlowe's identified several opportunities for credit unions arising from open banking's in-house data access. But then there are things like affordability checks, improved credit risk assessments, and, and the reduced time and costs involved in with lending and a greater understanding of the member's financial health. I think this is what I really liked, is that the evidence that sometimes members give you can afford to borrow or not is sometimes a little bit doubtful. At least this way you get to look at their current banking directly. So what was the answer to the question, have I understood open banking properly? So that's right, basically. So a credit union could ask to see your current account data from your bank, You'd have to provide that consent uh, so that your bank knew that you were happy with that and um, and then that information could be accessed by the credit union. They'd probably have to work with a partner, a tech partner, to do that. Um, but from the customer or the member's point of view, um, they would yeah, just be able to share their account information. So just to recap off your presentation, the good news is um, the immediacy of that, uh, the speed of that, and the ability to probably turn around the loan transaction for the member. So if it's so wonderful, are there any drawbacks at all? Well, um, yes, of course there are with technology. Um, so, I, uh, well, as you say first, there are credit unions that are already working with open banking and they are finding that it is uh, increasing their um, ability to um, check affordability, to do credit risk assessments in new ways that might be actually better for their members and improve responsible lending decisions. Um, but as you say, there are some risks too. I think the first is that you know access to new data doesn't necessarily mean better information. It depends how you, you interpret and use that data. So um, there are potentially underwriting error risks that we're seeing. Um, and I think the, another big one for credit unions is around third party liability. So I'm sure many of your members will know about GDPR. And um, basically this means that uh, credit unions could be uh, liable if there are any data breaches amongst the tech partners that they're working with. And that's a big risk. What I'd really like to see is more collaboration amongst credit unions because I think individually it's quite a costly process to figure out you know, who the right tech partner is, 
to train your staff up, to get the right systems in place, to make sure that those systems are tailored to the needs of credit union members. So I'd really like to see more uh, credit unions working together to perhaps bulk buy services, to share their resources and just make the most of this, what could be a really big opportunity. And as you say, open banking is here. It's been around in the market for two years. There's 160 different actors in the market. Now, we're definitely expecting to see more customers in general working with open banking powered services in 2020. Um, so we've got to get our heads around this to make sure the sector remains relevant and makes the most of the opportunities. Marlowe's Nichols there, and she was speaking at the CFCFE conference, and she was talking about the opportunities for collaboration between credit unions in terms of exploiting opportunities for open banking. The keynote speaker for the conference was Todd Pruhl, and Todd Pruhl's got extensive experience of IT solutions from the credit union sector, both in the United States and in his recent engagements in the Irish credit unions. The next podcast in this series will have a full interview with Todd, and you'll hear about his views on core processor business for credit unions and indeed some advice about the way forward for core IT systems. It's not one to miss. So that was the CFCFE conference in Manchester and the next conference that they're putting on is in Dublin at the Clayton Liffey Valley Hotel and that's on the 22nd of May this year and I understand that the focus of the next event is going to be around lending and how can we better meet members borrowing needs so well if the Dublin event is as popular and successful as the Manchester event and I think everybody would be happy here's David Fall chairman of Co-op Credit Union and his views on the conference it's been a tremendous day we've had some really good uh, thought provoking and well delivered presentations from a variety of speakers it's an excellent venue the uh, some big learnings to take back to uh, my board and to the rest of the team across our systems uh, the opportunities around open banking and just the need to get closer to our members and stay relevant with our members and maybe even try and get our members talking to each other. Um, It's been a fantastic day um, and I look forward to the next one. Good on you Dave, thanks mate. With me I've got Kira Davies from Metro Moneywise Credit Union and Kira, what do you think of the conference? I thought it was great, really. Um, some really interesting speakers and brilliant set of delegates as well to have really good conversations, some really good ideas and some things to really take back and think about. It's always nice getting together with other credit union folk, but more importantly, I think it's nice to get together and talk about the things, the challenges that we're all facing, um, getting our members more involved, the community side of it. It's really, really, really important, but it's also really difficult to do. And we set up member forums and things like that, and they don't engage with us. So that that's it, it's interesting to sort of rethink about that and about fans. Yeah. And we know we've got some of those. We've got members who can say things that we can't. So somebody will post on our page and say, you've turned me down for a loan. And, and one of our members will respond back and say, well, it must have been a bad risk then, which we can't say, but they can. So that's nice. We know we've got the fans. The, the IT side is a big challenge and that's what I want the centre to really look at because I think for the whole of the sector it's a big problem and it's a scurry thing and we haven't got the money we can't say well let's try this and if it doesn't work try something else we need something that we invest our members money in it works and does what it needs to do so very thought provoking I've really enjoyed it Angela Fishwick very much 
That's it for now, everyone. Thanks for listening. Look forward to the next Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. Bye now. You've been listening to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. This is a not-for-profit podcast and my time is given freely. I'm constantly on the lookout for stories and topics of interest to credit unions, especially, but not exclusively, in the United Kingdom and Ireland. A contribution to my costs has been made by the Swoboda Centre and I work with them for additional distribution and inspiration. Thanks for listening today and if you wish to leave any feedback, please contact smithowls at gmail.com. That's smithowls, all one word, at gmail.com. Bye now.